Welcome to the show. I'm Mike Indest, your host, and we're here with uh, Peter Johnston. Peter, how's it going? Doing well. How about you, Mike? Uh, doing doing very well. Um, so I think uh, you might be the first. Uh, we've had a lot of, you know, we feature Christian rock music, if you want to call it that, uh, on here. Uh, but you might be the first uh, person who sat in mass and said, huh, I wonder if I could rearrange this song. <laughs> um, and it's really awesome. So you have a new EP out. And um, some, you know, the first song features the Pope, right? 
That's right. Yeah, it was um, from what I can tell, at least, I think that those were the first words uttered um, when when he first uh, became Pope and addressed the, the audience, uh, the words, be not afraid. So that's the little Italian uh, language clip that you hear at the beginning of that first track. That's fantastic. So tell us about this EP and, and what, you know, it starts off with the Pope and then uh, there's some uh, a lot of history with the lyrics for some of these songs. So tell us about it, how it all fits together and uh, what made you want to go in that direction? Because your your songs are definitely good enough that if you would put something more, uh, let's say, mass, has more mass appeal, um, you could have you could have had some you know some singles out of that 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 probably would have uh, resonated with a, a larger percent of the the population. But you know you, you did what you believed in and and you wanted to sing these songs. So tell us about this because it's really an exciting project. I listened to it again yesterday, and the whole thing from start to finish is just amazing. So tell us why this was important to you to do, particularly utilizing the subject matter that you did. Sure. Well, well, thanks for the kind words, certainly. Um, so I've been playing music in, in bands and came up through like the indie and punk scene, um, starting out as a teenager. And um, really, this is a record that I've been wanting to make probably for the last 15 years or so. And it was it was actually in large part inspired by Pope John Paul II. He had written a letter. Um, I think it was in 1999 or so. It was sort of an open letter to artists, um, you know, sort of encouraging Christian artists all over the world to 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 start what he called a, a revolution in the arts, you know, to share, you know, Christian thought with the world. And um and that that resonated with me a lot when I had read that. And so um I had been playing, you know, in the typical local indie rock scenes. And I, I always tended to be that one, you know, religious friend that most of the kids in the indie rock scene had. Um and they were, you know, it was one of those things where in terms of my own songwriting, you know, Catholic and Christian thought and spirituality and all that sort of stuff. You know, I think if it's something that's important to you, it kind of just seeps out whether you want to or not in music. And everybody that I always played music and bands with were, you know, nobody was ever um, discouraging of that. But at the same time, you know, making a record where I would be able to put a eight, you know, 19th century picture of, or painting of Christ on the cover wasn't necessarily something I could or felt like I could do necessarily in any of the bands that I've been playing in. But um, I had slowly been doing some recordings on my own um, over the last couple of years, um, and, and the whole concept sort of came together in terms of the content of all the songs. And it was actually a function of the pandemic that everything came together rather quickly. I had a good friend that I've recorded with for years here in Richmond um, who runs his own studio a guy named Lance Kohler that um, has a studio called Minimum Wage Recording and a fantastic guy does, you know, lets people come in and it, it really is for, you know, working class folks to be able to make music. But um, he had all of his sessions canceled as a result of the pandemic. And um, so when I found that out, I told him I've been working on this project and had put a little bit of money aside. So I, I had his focus for about two weeks um, where we were just swapping files back and forth online. And um, he ended up playing drums on a lot of the record and, and helping with some of the, the production ideas. And so over the course of two weeks, um, all seven of those songs, which I had basically tracked on my own at home, um, sort of came to life with him playing, re-recording drums on some of them and, and remixing and mastering a lot of them. And um, so it was really about over a two-week period that, that the whole thing um, solidified and I was able to get it out. And it just so happened that it was right around Easter. So I thought Easter was a perfect uh, release date for it. And, uh, it was an online only release. So it was pretty easy, you know, as soon as it was mastered, I was able to, to put it out on Easter Sunday this year. So, um, pretty excited about it. 
Yeah, it's, it sounds amazing. Um, so it was because you had time off and he had uh, a lot of cancellations. You were able to get in there and, and do that. So you laid down, what, guitar and vocals at home, and then or he redid some of the drums and stuff, or did you just start all over in the studio? Um, it was basically everything I had done at home. So I, I've, I've been a um, Tascam guy my whole life and uh, had a 424 tape recorder coming up for years and years. And um, just in the last couple of years, sort of switched to a digital format and had gotten one of those little eight track Tascams and then um, got a little bit more ambitious and moved to the 24 track thing. I still haven't been able to adopt just a computer only recording format <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but I was able to track all this stuff on the, the little 24 um, channel thing that I've got. And I'd done everything. I'd done, you know, guitars, bass, keyboards, drums on most of them. And then um, uh, drums are definitely my weakest suit. And, and the guy that runs the studio is a phenomenal drummer. So there were a couple songs where drums that I had put down worked, um, and then I let him re-record everything else. But for the most part, it was him taking all the wave files and doing the, you know, cleaning them up a little bit, making them sound as um, professional as they could, given the setup they were coming off of. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, he was working with the wave files I did at home, and then uh, he had a drums on on several of them as well as a little bit of vocal, uh, backing vocals here and there too, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, some of the there's some really uh, tasteful. Uh in the background vo- background vocals that really just add a lot it's it's they sound really amazing thank you thank you yeah and um i've always wanted to get uh you know some sort of female backing vocal on it my wife isn't much of a singer so i've been able to convince her to do that but one of my favorite reviews that i've got of the record is somebody referenced the female backing vocals so i at least convinced somebody out there that um, my falsetto was a female which i thought was pretty cool oh wow all right <laughs> Very nice. So um, going back to your inspiration, the, the Pope saying that he wanted some sort of uh, revitalization in the arts. Um, I didn't hear that. So that was that was good to hear. Is there some sort of like, uh, like, do you tag your music saying, is, is there some sort of like online community that have, have produced music because of this uh, papal idea? Or do you, do you tag like, you know, hashtag Pope rocks or something? I have I haven't done any specific tags. I, I imagine there's a lot of it out there that, you know, maybe folks don't know how it exactly w- was inspired. But um, I know there was some. I mean, I, b- I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say the um, the passion, the concept of the passion movie, came about sort of as a result of that open letter to artists too. So I I'm sure it had you know a lot of um, impact on folks you know worldwide. But I. I don't know specifically, you know, if there's a community that, that's sort of focused on that or not, but it was just sort of a personal thing for me once I read it. It made a lot of sense and, and was certainly gave me a little bit, you know, of courage to say, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense, you know, should should try and do that. It took me a while to actually have it come to fruition, um, but not the record this year, but um, better late than never, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. So um, reading the lyrics on the record... Um, some of it, you know, you just took from the liturgy and then some of them, obviously you just, you wrote, but how, how did you feel like they all fit together? Like what's the, the, what consolidates this as, a, as one solid, you know, EP, one solid piece? Sure. Well, I think the, the Be Not Afraid, the name of the EP, Be Not Afraid is sort of the, um, 
I think the overarching theme of the whole record, and and if I'm not mistaken, I believe "Be Not Afraid" is one of the most repeated, if not the most repeated, um, phrase from the the gospel. Um, and it's one of those things that just gives you, you know, a lot of comfort. I tend to be um, the type of person that I, I probably an old soul, but just you know, you have anxiety about things in the world, and so you know, being reassured of that um, is something that's always given me a lot of comfort. And when you read, you know, various passages in, in the Gospels where Christ says, you know, whether he's talking to the disciples or whoever else, to be not afraid, it, you know, it's just got one of those calming effects, uh, you know, sort of on your heart. And um, I, I always thought a lot of Pope John Paul II because that was sort of his whole thing too, is that you know, be not afraid, put your, you know, your trust in Christ, and and that's, I feel like what what we're all supposed to do. So I thought that was a great way to sort of kick off the record. Um, and just in general, I think the 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 vibe of the rest of it is one hopefully of hope and and you know sort of um, looking forward to what's next, which I think is you know a lot of what we're called to do um, as Christians. And so um, the second song of the record of the glorious body telling is um, it's actually the the lyrics are straight from what's called the Cruce Fidelis, which I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, but it's something that's often sung on, on Good Friday. And it was another sort of situation where I was sitting in mass and I was hearing this, you know, beautiful, it was more of a, a Benedictine type or Gregorian type chant sound uh, as far as that was going. But the, the melody was just so beautiful and it's it's such an ancient, beautiful hymn. And so I wanted to um, use those words and sort of recompile it in a, a way that made sense with the, the melody that I come up with for that song. And, um, so that one, I guess, in general, is sort of a a song that um, has is frequently played or sung or played on Good Friday, sort of in honor of the the triumph of the cross, you know, over over death and sin. So I thought that was a a good you know second song to sort of follow up the um, the Be Not Afraid opener, and then the third song, of course, is the hymn uh, Praise of the Lord the Almighty, which is just a song that I've always loved in Mass, and that it's such a familiar tune i hope most people recognize it when they hear it but um just such a, a great melody i believe it's a i don't even know if the the true date of when the music originated the the words are credited to someone um I believe in the 1660s but um just such an old familiar tune and just thought i could do something um interesting with it with a big uh, wall of guitar sound so i was pretty happy with that um and then the rest of the songs, I think, sort of round out the record or more of a sort of a human element to them, um, you know, that, that sort of address the, um, I guess, the calling to one's vocation in life, be it, be it marriage or, um, you know, religious life of some kind. Um, and then the last song in the record is actually one that focuses on the, the, um, the sacrament of penance, which I thought was sort of an interesting one to take on because I think it's... Um, the whole idea of confession, it's sort of, I think, misunderstood a lot, I guess, in today's society. But um, but yeah, in, in total, I think the overarching theme is, you know, just one of, you know, being human and um, sort of having hope and, and placing your trust in, in, in Christ. And that's sort of, uh, I think, a good way to live. That was sort of the theme of the record. Awesome. Do you think you'll ever have the chance to do your version of some of these songs during a Mass? Um, you know, I think my own personal take on music in, in the in the mass, at least I'm more of a fan of the traditional sort of older reverend sound. And I, I you know, I understand everybody sort of has a different take on that. And certainly there are, you know, plenty of um, Catholic and other Christian denominations that do more contemporary music. But my own personal 
preference, I guess, for for liturgies anyway, is more of a contemporary, I'm sorry, more of a, you know, sort of re- reverent, sacred, sort of older, ancient music sound. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I would ever see these songs being played in mass, and I wouldn't be looking for that necessarily, but hopefully it's something that, you know, some people might find meaning with if they're fans of uh, indie rock and are also Christian. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the indie rock side of things. So when I when I first listen, you know, you make these comparisons and before you start, you know, hearing the nuances and things like that. But one thing I did hear a lot of maybe Pedro the Lion influence there. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Which, you, you you know, but it, of course, you're not copying. You have your own your own sound. But that was the initial thing, uh, partially maybe because at least early on, Pedro the Lion had that uh, the faith is a topic of their, the lyrics as well. Um, uh, so I kind of heard, heard that, but besides Pedro the lion, who else, uh, would you consider influences? Well, I guess I've gravitated towards a lot of, um, I guess not necessarily, you know, not necessarily Christian music as a genre in itself, but just artists who are Christian and that, you know, it sort of comes out of them when they play and some, Big fan of Damien Gerardo, um, which I know he was connected with with David Bazan at some points with Pedro the Lion. Um, Sufjan Stevens, big fan of him and his songwriting. Um, and then I guess, you know, more secular stuff. Ray Davies from the Kinks was a huge uh, influence on me in terms of just sort of understanding song structure and songwriting. I'd listen to, to the Kinks on pretty much on permanent repeat when I was in high school. So I, I would say those are some of the, the more frequent uh or more impactful songwriters that I've listened to over time. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So this is the only album you have on Bandcamp right now. Um, but you said this wasn't your first. So is there, are you recording with another band or what's, what are you doing musically uh, besides this? Or what have you done musically before this? Sure, sure. So um, the other project that I'm working on in Richmond um, is one called One Friend, and it's been around actually for um, almost 15 years now. It's been around for a good while. We've got five records out. And a lot of the songs, um, honestly, you know, very similar themes to to what's gone on in the Peter Johnston RVA stuff. Um, And uh, it's great friends that have just, some of them were the first people I knew when I moved to Richmond. And um, just a lot of good guys and they've been very supportive of, of, um, you know, the project and the, the song. So, um, we're on our fifth record for one friend and hopefully we'll have another one out in the next, um, couple of years here. We got a couple of singles that we're working on. Um, and then I've played in a, a couple of, uh, other smaller projects uh, as well in town, but, um, one friend has been the longest, uh, standing live project, I guess, that I've worked on, um, in Richmond. Awesome. And y'all tour or what's, what's, what do y'all do? Well, the predecessor to, to one friend, um, did a little bit and that was in the early two thousands, like the 2002 to 2004 timeframe. It was a, a band called we are childhood equals. And, um, we had done some, a, a fair amount of uh, touring didn't really go much further West than Chicago, but we did a, a, a month, I guess it was like 30 or 40 dates or something like that and then we would do sort of up and down the east coast on weekends kind of thing which was a lot of fun it got out of my system too it was one of those things where once you you know you you kind of long for the idea of it and then when you're actually doing it it lets you know if it's something that you could do in the long term or not but um but i did a little bit of touring in that band and then uh one friend is more or less stuck to the the richmond region we've played couple out of town shows in dc and various parts of virginia but um haven't traveled too much extensively outside of the 
you know, the immediate bordering states of Virginia so far. Did y'all have any gigs scheduled before the COVID happened? We did have a couple in, in May and June, and um, all of those have been scrapped for now. And I think just from a safety standpoint, we probably, I, I don't imagine we'll be booking anything else in the rest of 2020, but hopefully, hopefully 2021 will be a better one for the world in general. So we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. It's There's a lot of bands that uh, I bought tickets to see Kraftwerk, which there's, you know, uh, one of the guys died recently, so right. that's not going to happen. Um, right. But it's still listed. So, I mean, you have, there's all this infrastructure around concerts, Ticketmaster, whatever, that doesn't know uh, what to do about any of this. And then there's bands like uh, Simple Minds. They kept, when this started in Europe, they kept pushing their dates back. Hey, we'll try it again a month later. And now they're pushing it to next year. But in all honesty, nobody really knows uh, what's going to happen. You know, it's true. It's true. And I I feel really bad for the, you know, the folks that do it for, you know, as a livelihood. I, um, the biggest bummer for me, um, Archers of Loaf was coming to Richmond in, um, in June and that one got canceled. I never got a chance to see them, um, back in the nineties. So I was really excited. And, uh, that, that one just recently got the plug pulled on it, but I know a lot of great shows have been, uh, canceled and yeah, just, it feels like it's, you know, just a complete state of limbo for, for those folks knowing when they may be able to play live again. It's crazy. I had, when this was starting to ramp up, uh, I was playing with a buddy and he had a friend that came in from Scotland and we had, so we had, you know, two gigs booked. And, um, this is when this was, there was no mandate yet. Right. It was just kind of like, we don't, people don't know what they're going to do. So the venues, you know, called and we were talking about it. And I was like, well, first of all, I can guarantee that there won't be more than 10 people there. I don't know if that helps. (laughs) Well, but, it's hard enough to get people out before a yeah. pandemic. <laughs> well, for me, <laughs> I'd never true. had more than 10. If I had 10 people at a gig, I'd, I'd think that was like gold record status for me. Right, um, right. But they canceled the shows because, the, you know, the restaurants, the club, they don't want to get in trouble. Right. Uh, or be, the, you know, have the headline of, you know, it's all spread from this one show, you know, kind of right. thing. Exactly. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see how this all ramps up again. And there's a lot of smaller artists. Um, you know, we mentioned Dave Bazan from Pedro the Line. You know, he does all these house shows. Well, on right. some level, house shows could be even more dangerous because you're going in close quarters from yeah. one person. You could be spreading it, you know. You could be the typhoid Mary of house shows all up That's and down, right. you know, if you're playing one show after another. So people are going to really have to rethink that. And, you know, Dave Bazan, he's very honest about the economics, his personal economics and um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to have to tour and spend half the year away from his family, but that was the economic necessity. And he's, he's just one representative, rep, the representation of thousands of people in that same position, uh, right. who now have to have to rethink everything, um, who are kind of barely, you know, holding on right anyway. Well, and just then, the shift with, you know, everything going online with music and nobody makes, you know, you don't make anything off of that. And they were told, you know, well, you can do that because now you're going to make more in record in uh, live ticket sales. And now that's not happening. So it's sort of a double hit to folks because they can't necessarily rely on the, um, the digital revenues either. Yes. Uh, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, those digital revenues are terrible. Right. There, there's right. not much that ever, you know, doesn't matter how many songs go, go Google that. If someone's interested, you know, how much money right. do I make <laughs> off of, and it's different, you know, like with Spotify, it's different if uh, somebody with a paid membership plays your song versus a free person because the free people, then they're just splitting the pool of the, uh, the, uh, advertising revenue. And then, you know, it's, it's a whole ordeal. Um, so you don't, you don't really make a whole lot of money off of streaming revenue. And then people are moving to Patreon and, and that kind of stuff. But the problem there obviously is 
if the if if thirty percent of the U.S. is out of work, well, who's got money to pay for that? And if everybody who has a job is scared that they're going to lose their job, then right. they're not going to want to you know con- uh, commit to a monthly payment for someone anyway because they don't think they're going to be able to fulfill it if they lose you know their job. Um, right. So it's 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 a very problematic situation. But in in the midst of that, uh, you put out this record that ultimately, even though you're singing about penance and stuff, ultimately it is hopeful. Um, and it is, uh, a, a record of de-reflection, I would say, right? Not distraction where you're, you're singing about something silly, but it's a de-reflection and thinking about God and bigger things and bigger truths and bigger reality and bigger ideas of what goodness means, bigger ideas of what justice means, uh, bigger ideas about, you know, what loving your neighbor means. And I think that's very necessary, uh, during this time period. But I'll ask you this, do you think that's the message people want to hear? Or do you think people like... Uh, living inside of their panic? Well, it's funny. I mean, I think whether people want to acknowledge it or not, I think there's a lot of of truth to that. I mean, I feel like a a lot of the, you know, a lot of folks, I guess, question Christianity in general because they don't understand how, you know, bad things can happen in the world. And I think, you know, some of that's a mystery, but a lot of it is just that, you know, Christ was the, the example to that. I mean, nobody had suffered anything more than he possibly could, and he showed, you know, how to endure that sort of thing with patience. And so I think, you know, to me, I think that's a big lesson for, for what's going on with the, the pandemic now. And um, I mean, on a, on, a, on a certain level, it feels like God sent everybody to their room for a time out to think about what they've done, and hopefully we all come out, you know, a little bit more uh, mature and, and wiser and, um, you know, with our moral compasses recentered a little bit, at least, at least that's my hope. And I think, you know, sometimes it takes something like this to, um, you know, to make people think along those lines. And so hopefully, you know, I, I think only God can make something good come out of something bad. And, and I, I do think, you know, this will, the world will get past this at some point, the same way it did, you know, a hundred years ago. And, and hopefully people are, are better for it, you know, from a, a moral perspective going forward, but I, I, time will tell on that. Yeah, that, that's been an interesting thing to watch, because whether you believe, you know, I mean, the, the different things come out about this every day. I was listening to the news this morning, and now they're saying, well, you can't really get it if you touch something that somebody else touched. But from a Christian perspective, you know, it gives us a great um, way to show that we love our neighbors, right? There's things that we can do as Christians, no matter, you know, just being safe, being cautious, there's ways that we can uh, show our neighbor that we're, we're living out our faith by putting them first um, and being safe and being careful. So this, this does give us a great opportunity as Christians to maybe show that we, we, we do care for other people. And sometimes I don't think that that's the message that gets out uh, when Christianity is a lot of times associated with politics, you know? Right, right. No, that's, that's very valid. I think the most important work that's been done, you know, throughout of all, throughout all of Christianity is the very humble, you know, day-to-day work uh, of folks helping the poor and, and things like that, which I think it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, the, those stories don't really catch much in the way of headlines most of the time. No, not at all. And if you look from at least the Catholic tradition uh, of the, the folks that not only helped the poor, but became poor themselves, uh, you know, the, the some of the monks— uh, that's a tradition that you know th- that the Catholics have. But again, besides, if, unless you want to go back and read some of that stuff, or some people have some very uh, superficial knowledge of who some of these saints are, um, but that is to me the example of of living a Christ like Christ like life when you're there, um, 
not concerned necessarily about, you know, worldly possessions uh, and being able to just share what you have and share the peace that you have, you know, because of that. And there's a there's a very strong uh, Catholic tradition of that. Um, and that's, that's a lesson we can all learn during this time period, because a lot of sure. people aren't going to have their worldly possessions. A lot of people, everything's already been taken away from them. Uh, now they're afraid they're going to lose their house or their apartment or whatever, you know? So it is, we do need, we do need hope and we do need songs, uh, that are honest, but hopeful as well. Absolutely. So, um, so what has been the response? So you, you put out this, this record, it's, it's got some Christian themes, it's got hopeful themes, it's got some themes of penance, um, and you'd put it out during this, this time period. So, you know, I, I found you because you were, you were, you were marketing it. So what has the response been to marketing this type of record in this environment? Sure. Well, yeah, it definitely has its challenges and not having necessarily a, a, a live band behind this immediate project, you know, makes it a sort of a digital lives on the Internet, you know, pretty much for the most part. Um, but so far, so good. I mean, I think a lot of people are connecting with the, um, y- you know, the, the melodies and the, um, the overall sound. And um, as far as. You know, as you know, it's sort of a, a little bit of a niche market to to be focused on um, alternative type sounding Christian and, and Catholic music in particular. It's um, not necessarily a huge market for it. So I think it's a little bit of a um, I, I think one of the things I'm finding most interesting is that there's actually a story to tell behind this type of music versus just kind of a lot of the other projects I've worked on where it's just, you know, it's a little bit more secular and, and you're just one of the pack of, you know, millions of other artists. Not that this project isn't either, but I feel like it's got a little bit more of a unique story to it. And it, it draws on a lot of, um, I think one of the things I really liked about this too, is it did draw on some stuff that's a little bit older in terms of the, the, um, cover art for it. And then using some, you know, more ancient, um, type, type, tunes and lyrics um and sort of breathing a little trying to breathe a little bit of new life into them um because i feel like a lot of the you know a lot of the the really beautiful traditions that have existed in the early christian church you know just as we move further and further away from some some of that gets lost and i think there's um you know just so much beauty in the public domain that that can be accessed by artists so that that was a little bit of the the focus as well but um yeah, it's it's not burning up the charts or anything like that, but I feel like, you know, just connecting with, you know, even with you makes it makes it uh, interesting and worthwhile, and it's something I'd be doing whether, you know, I was just making it for my kids to ultimately hear one day, I, I'd still be doing it, and I think... Um, you know, you can you can tell when music is made for the right reasons. I know when I've uh, the songs I've heard of yours. I mean, you can you can tell when something's authentic, and and that's really all my hope is for it is that it comes across with some some authenticity and connects with you know whoever finds it interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, how do you want people to find your music? There's a gazillion different ways out there. Um, sometimes artists prefer. A certain way, you know, because they want to maybe get in the charts or in a playlist or whatever. And that's all become very, um, you know, it's it's all over the place now. So I guess, A, how can people find your stuff and or find this album in particular? And how, how which method would you prefer? Sure. Um, well, um, Spotify is pretty much my favorite thing ever. I've, I've felt like a kid in a candy store ever since that came out. And so that's that's probably the easiest place to find it for anybody that, that has Spotify. And um, that's certainly the place where I think it gets heard the most, but um, it's also on Pandora and, um, and there's a Bandcamp page for it as well. And so I think those are the three main places it's, it's distributed through a lot of um, 
other you know online digital sources but i would say between those three spotify pandora and, and bandcamp are probably the easiest ways to find it excellent excellent um and we'll put links all down below and all that kind of stuff um Perfect. thank you yeah so um do you plan on doing another record are you going to go back and play stuff with the band or what's was this just something you needed to get out or, or is this something you're going to continue with it's definitely something I'm going to continue with. I actually have a, um, two songs that'll be a follow-up to this um, EP that I'm hoping to put out um, probably within the next couple months here. And uh, one of them is, um, it's going to have its inspiration in the um, some of the writings of St. Augustine. Um, nice. song called City of God that'll come out um, hopefully in a month or so. And then another tune that's a little bit older one that I had originally written and played with uh, one of the first bands I played in Richmond, a band called We Are Childhood Equals, but I've re-recorded that and um, changed the arrangement around a little bit, and so those two songs will be a follow-up to this. So I'm hoping it's something that, um, you know, or I definitely plan to keep it, it going, and it'll just uh, kind of be interesting to see, you know, the how much, you know, what kind of pace I can keep up in terms of new songs and new material. But um, so, yeah, this one will be, be active, and I've still been playing uh, in, in one friend concurrently as well. Have y'all been able to practice at all, or we haven't? We've been on, uh, on a hiatus since uh, February. We've, we've been talking about um, trying to figure out a way to do the Zoom thing, and I think we're going to give it a, a try and see what the latency is like. Um, but uh, but yeah, we haven't haven't been able to to, to pra- practice just with the local rules and everything. I don't think uh, I think it would get shut down pretty pretty quickly. But um, so now we haven't unfortunately had a chance to to be in the same room, but. Uh, Certainly, you know, playing music has been a good way to pass the time at, at home a lot. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I really enjoyed listening to this uh, EP and I can't wait to hear more from you and we'll do everything we can do to help you promote it. Perfect. Thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. 